You're listening to the Broncos Audio Zone. You're in the Broncos Audio Zone for September 13th. I'm Andrew Mason. Let's get started with the man who was the Broncos' number three cornerback in the regular season opener, Adam Jones. He has learned the defense quickly, allowing him to carve out a big role in just two and a half weeks with the Broncos. Ryan Edwards, Steve Atwater, and I caught up with him in the locker room. All right, we're chatting here with uh, Adam Jones. How was that first game, the experience? I mean, look, this has been quite a whirlwind for you, I imagine, for the last couple of weeks. Oh, man, it, it was it was okay, man. You know, um, I'm figuring out uh, where my help is and all the calls. Um, I felt pretty good uh, body-wise. Um, I think I did pretty good in coverage, so I'm just working every day, trying to get better every day. How quickly were you able to pick up the Broncos scheme? Uh, it wasn't that hard because I came from VJ scheme, um, just a different terminology. So um, besides the terminology, it wasn't that bad. Well, I know a lot of times people uh, who are from outside of Denver area, uh, they come to the Mile High City and they say, oh, man, the altitude has got me. Did it have any impact on you at all? Oh, yeah, it had a lot of impact the first week. <laughs> um, but um, coaches have done a good job making me run extra after practice, um, running to the ball um, on the plays, no matter if I'm tired. It plays off in the game, you know. Um, the game's a little bit slower than in practice as in the um, rapid fire, so. I can understand the uh, playbook and getting that all down, but what about the communication with the defensive backs? I mean, that sometimes does take a little bit of time to get. Yeah, that's the main thing right now, you know, uh, the lingo, as we call it. So, um, for for instance, we don't say in and out. We use another term for in and out. So, um, just the little, little things that, that um, you got to key in that make sure that everybody's on the same page. Uh, the last few months being out of football before you came to Denver, what did you do to kind of keep in shape and keep, getting ready for the year even though you weren't with the team? Um, I worked out pretty hard this summer. Um, like I said, my guys back home did a good job with me. Um, I feel pretty good. Um, of course, you're going to have Knicks and Knicks, um, but for the most part, I feel pretty good. Yeah, I know you're not a safety, but you know, you're know you a pretty physical corner. What do you think about like the lowering the head rules and the, the penalties that go along with that uh, with these new rules? Well, I'm always, I've always been one of them guys see what you hit. So um, I went through C3, C4 neck surgery. Um, and when you go through that, that changes your whole outlook of hitting and stuff. So um, I always try to see what I hit and, and keep my head up. Go through the, uh, the interception that Justin had. I mean, you were, you were right there on coverage. You ran back. I mean, and, and the way you sold it, I think, eventually it almost led to that. Go through that play for a minute and talk about what you saw. Um, just a good dial. Um, um, D.C., he dialed a, a great call on that one. Um, I won't say what we was in because we have a game this week. But no, it was a good call, good play at the right time. At playing for Vance Joseph, of course, in Cincinnati. What kind of coach was he like there for you, and what does it mean to be back here with him now? Um, he, he was always an upfront guy, man. You know, um, you get what you see, and he expects the best out of everybody. And um, who wouldn't want to play for a guy like that, you know? Um, he's true true to the players, true to himself, and um, he's going to tell you what he expects, and um, that's how he is. Now you've been uh, on some really good football teams, good defensive teams as well, and uh, you've been captains of teams. Uh, what do you see on this team that's different from some of the some of the teams you've played on that you like or that you don't like? Um, this front eight, I've I've haven't played with a front eight like this. Um, we had a good front eight in Dallas. We had a good front eight in um, Cincinnati, but um, with the guys that we have on the front eight, these guys can rush. Last question for me. Appreciate your time, Adam Jones, here with us. It's Raiders week. I don't know if that has much meaning to you necessarily, but here locally with the Broncos fans, it has a lot to do. Have you gotten a sense from any of your teammates on any of that? Uh, well, I know the rivalry, so um, 
um, it is what it is. Um, I'll be ready. Uh, we'll see how I go. Think he'll be like Steelers Bengals? Um, yeah, I think so. Next up, Emmanuel Sanders, who joined Tyler Columbus and Andy Lindahl to talk about the offense, Case Keenum, and of course, his front flip into the end zone. We welcome in one of the stars of that Broncos win. Emmanuel, it's Tyler and Andy as always. How are you this morning? I'm good. I'm good. So I've got to ask you, and this is random, but I, I'll tell you what, man. So my son knows your name. He's uh, He couldn't say truck, but he could say Emmanuel Sanders and Demarius Thomas from a very young age because he watched <laughs> you guys so much. But um, he absolutely loved your flip into the end zone and your touchdown the other day. And my daughter, who's an ice skater and doesn't care anything about football, also wanted to know who number 10 was because she thought the flip was the coolest thing. How much have you heard about that flip since the game the other day? Uh, I've heard mixed reviews from it. A lot of people say, man, I love it. A lot of people say, don't do it again. <laughs> you know, uh, it's like one of those situations where people forget that I'm just not flipping into the end zone, um, you know, without pads. You know, I've, ta- I've taken vicious hits in which I've bounced off people because I have pads on. But uh, a lot of people, you know, they're like, did it hurt? You know, but it, it doesn't hurt because you have on pads. But I think uh, I'm going to retire to flip, though, just just in case. That would be bad if I do end up hurting myself when just flipping into the end zone when I could have just ran in there. So it was fun while it lasted, but uh, I'm, definitely, I'm definitely probably not going to attempt that again. But who knows, though. My, my, uh, I, might, I might get too hyped up and do it again, though. We'll see. We'll see how the season goes. I like it, man. Hey, Emmanuel, take us inside the huddle a little bit. Uh, throughout uh, just kind of the early parts of that game, uh, you guys got hit with a lot of adversity. I, I guess it wasn't even just the early parts. It's kind of the entire game. Three turnovers, and generally speaking, uh, that's pretty tough to come back from, but it just seemed like there was no blink. Uh, it seemed like Case Keenum uh, just uh, he kept firing. Uh, take us inside the huddle a little bit, and maybe some of the differences of when you've been a part of, uh, not asking to compare anybody, uh, just teams in general, uh, uh, of when uh, things go bad uh, and, and you don't really feel like the confidence is there to bounce back from it, maybe what you saw this weekend. I tell you what, guys, we got a quarterback, man. Remember after the second you know, I didn't say anything to him, and after the third interception, I went down and uh, he was warming up. He was getting ready to go out on offense. And when I went out, I thought that I was going to see a frustrated quarterback. I thought I was going to see somebody – you know, with a, with a, with a, with a, with a sad face. You know that whole, oh, what am I doing? I'm I'm jittery. I'm 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 out of control. I don't know what I'm doing. But when I walked down and I talked to him, I saw a guy smiling back at me saying, "No, screw it. Let's go. Let's go." And I was like, "Oh, snap. Okay." We talk about a guy that smiles in the face of adversity because he's been through so much adversity. You know, I was I was telling my wife that you know people who have been through. The, been through a lot of stuff. It's hard for them to get uh, frustrated about about simple stuff. And Case has been there. He's been through the ranks. And man, you, as you saw I, throughout the game, he just kept firing the pigs and kept firing and understood that hey, at the end of the day, he's not going to buckle under pressure. All he's going to do is keep throwing it. And that right there kept us offensively kept moving the ball and kept being able to score. It was it was definitely going back and forth, back and forth. And at some point, he was like. Who's gonna win this game? You know, but we kept making the necessary plays to come out with the victory, and that's and that's key because that's something last year uh, towards the end of the season that we couldn't do. And you know, 
But Tyler, in, in 15, how much adversity we had to face, how many close games that we had to win in order to get that Super Bowl. And so uh, it feels good to know that, you know, that right there is how the locker room is. This locker room is very Hopefully it'll show again this Sunday. You know, Emmanuel, one of the things that's had me so excited about you guys since training camp and the practices is watching Case hit you on a dime in full stride and watching what you can do setting up your blocking with the space and the full momentum and all that stuff afterward like you did on the touchdown play that you had. I'm curious, how much does this run game help you guys create that space with those backs and the thing that they're doing? Yeah, we're, we're struggling to run the football at the beginning because obviously Seattle loads the box with an eight-man front. But, uh, you know, towards you know the second half, that's when, you know, uh, Lauren Landau, our strength and conditioning coach, you know, he's been really honing in about our conditioning. And that second half, we, we were definitely – I felt like we were the most conditioned team because we are able to run the football in an eight-man box and be able to gash him. And that, that had the linebackers sucking up. And you saw – you remember Cortland play over the middle when Case – you know, it was a play action case, you know, fake the run, popped up and hit Corlin for a big gain and then came back and down and scored the game when he touched down to DT. So, you know, the running game is definitely going to help us out. That's something that Coach Joseph was preaching after the game, that we got to be able to keep running the football no matter what the box is, wear people out. So then that opens up the passing game. Hey, Emmanuel, I feel like uh, a couple years ago when Tyreek Hill came into the league and uh, Andy Reid was – ways to get him involved in the, the offense, not just passing the ball, but, uh, I mean, all over the place. Everybody was all surprised by it, and they just couldn't believe the creativity. It, it sort of feels like uh, Bill Musgrave is kind of looking at you like that type of guy this year on this offense, uh, using you in the fly sweeps and other creative ways. Uh, are there? Do you feel like on a week-to-week basis we're going to see you involved in the offense, not even just in the traditional uh, passing game? Yeah, I hope so. That's that's one thing that I've always wanted to to to, to, to do. I, I feel like, you know, I, I played running back in high school, and so I'm used to being in the backfield, being used to getting handoffs. Uh, I played slot in college, so uh, I'm I'm now in the slot now, and 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 out here for four years, I played on the outside. So, you know, I, I feel like right now I'm getting getting all the doses of of, of what I am made up. Of, you know. Of, now I'm playing in the slot. Now I play on the outside a little bit. Now I'm able to, you know, grab sweeps and stuff like that and take me back to my high school days in which, you know, I was a good running back as well. So, you know, I, I hope he keeps uh, doing that. And, you know, so far I've seen the game plan this week. You know, I think that we we do have some things where we can run passes off of it. I can, I can run the ball and things of that sort. So uh, definitely teams got to key in on that. <laughs> Emmanuel, we'll let you go after this, but I've got to ask you, I've never seen a tie to open an NFL season, but of course, in the most Cleveland Brown things possible, they open with a tie. How awful would that be for you as a player? (laughs) I was just like, what the heck? You know, uh, let let the game play out. Nobody (laughs) wants a tie. It should be a tie. You know, I feel like the NFL is going to change next year. Uh, Another rule that's going to change, but you know, uh, I, don't, I, don't, I don't really know what to say to it besides the fact that I don't want to tie, you know. just Let's just keep on playing until somebody scores, and then whoever scores wins the game. Well, you know what? It was fun watching you guys last week. Good luck this week against the Raiders, and we'll talk to you next week. Stay healthy. Thanks, Emmanuel. Thanks, Steve. Right, thanks, brother.
Finally, Ryan, Steve, and I were joined by Mike Renner of Pro Football Focus, as we are every Wednesday. Among other things, we had to ask him why the PFF Team of the Week for Week 1 did not include Von Miller. Quite shockingly, in my opinion. Let's find out. Okay, so... I uh, want to get to quite a few things. We have some, some interesting questions about pro football focus uh, to get into, and, and maybe you're not exactly the person that could speak for everything that happens on the website, but we had some incongruencies that we need to, to find out. But I wanted to get something that you did right, and that was the offensive line rankings, the Broncos going not from 19 to 14, and it, sound, it looks to me like uh, you overall really liked what you saw against Seattle. Yeah, uh, that was probably the biggest eye-opener from redoing that game, reviewing that game uh, on the All-22 was just how good the offensive line was, how much better they are from a season ago. And I don't think it could be understated how big of an upgrade Jared Valdir is. I mean, he is he was, at a time, one of the best left tackles in the NFL, obviously had some injuries. They flipped him from left to right tackle in Arizona last year, and he was terrible for a good portion of that year. But towards the end of the year, he came on strong, and this past week he didn't give up a single pressure in that game against the Seahawks. He could be, you know, one of the best right tackles in the NFL right now. And that's a far cry from, you know, right tackle of old in Denver where uh, they were just a basically turnstile there uh, getting in the quarterback's face. That's a huge upgrade. And run block and pass blocking, it looks much better than a season ago. Yeah, uh, even though the rating uh, was comparable to last year, I want to talk about Garrett Bowles. What did you see in him as far as uh, what he did not allowing uh, the hurries and, and hits like he did last year? Yeah, I'm, again, impressed with his development from year one to year two. I like I liked what I saw from him in year one. He just wasn't completely refined, wasn't you know, completely adjusted to the NFL game. I thought it was going to come along at some point, and he does look much more comfortable in year two, much more patient, patient excuse me, in his pass sets. And he was going up against a pretty tough assignment. I mean, he was going up against Frank Clark for a good number of those snaps. He's uh, one of the better pass rushers in the league. So for him to you know do as well as he did, uh, very encouraging going forward. Yeah. Uh, what did you think about Amari Cooper's uh, production with the Raiders this past week? I know they only targeted him uh, one or two times, I mean, maybe three times, but uh, it was this productive. And I think they're counting, at least at the beginning of the season, I felt like the Raiders were counting on him to be their go-to guy. Uh, do you anticipate his targets increase? I would imagine it has to for them to have some success on offense. Yeah, so I do think a good deal of that, that kind of uh, got underrated in the whole, oh, he only got one target thing, was that the game plan was to not really challenge Marcus Peters and keep the lead. They knew they weren't winning those one-on-one matchups on the outside. So the reason why Jared Cook went for, you know, as many yards as he did because they felt like the best matchups were to target those linebackers, target those safeties, because that's where the Rams are weak. And keep to leaving, as you guys know, one of the best cornerbacks in the NFL, they were just weren't going to win those matchups. And so it was some of that was game plan that they just didn't want to even challenge them, didn't even want to let those guys make the ball. Uh, and some of it just is Amari Cooper has been you know, doing a disappearing act over the last you know season and a half here. Uh, he just one game goes all out one game you know he goes for over 200 yards and the next game you might not even see him which i don't know what that is why he's so inconsistent but that's almost his mo at this point we're talking with mike renner here from pro football focus first and 10 to 10 orange and blue 760 okay the incongruency the, in, the the thing that i think a lot of broncos fans want to know why did von miller not make it on 
the team of the week for defense. Khalil Mack had a look; he had a great game, and then you guys went with Avery for Cleveland. But a lot of people are a little upset at Pro Football Focus this morning, so I thought we'd bring you on to answer for everybody on your website. Go ahead. Todd <laughs> Miller had a great game. There's no. There's no shame in not making team of the week. Avery had made some plays in coverage, which pushed him over the edge. Von Miller, excellent game as a pass rusher. I think he graded out higher as a pass rusher than Avery did. But Avery's overall grade pushed him up higher because of what he did in coverage and had some plays in run defense. So I'm not going to sit here and say that Avery was better than Miller. That's just how the grading ended up at the end of the day. So uh, I, I don't think Von Miller needs a team of the week on his resume to know that he's you know, the best, <laughs> one of the best pass rushers in the NFL. <laughs> But but let, for, in all serious, and thank you. That was a very diplomatic, very good answer. Uh, in all in all seriousness, though, uh, what was your takeaway from his performance? And and I mean, even including just really ripping the ball out of Chris Carson's hands. Uh, at, at times, I think we sometimes feel like we've seen everything we can from Von Miller, and then he has performances like he did in that game. It just seems like he can always go to another level. No, that's the thing. That fourth fumble, just taking the ball away from a guy, something that a lot of you know a lot of defensive players wouldn't even think to do. He's just processing the game at a different level than anyone else, you know, on the field. He's just so at ease playing the position right now and so comfortable that he just can do things that no one else can do at the position. Besides maybe Khalil Mack, because we saw Khalil Mack do about the exact same thing in the Packer mm-hmm. game where he took the ball away from the quarterback. So, uh, yeah, Von Miller is about as good as it gets. And if you don't have a top-tier right tackle, you just can't block him one-on-one. You couldn't expect Jermaine Ifedi to go out there and take a normal pass set on a third long and not get his you know, butt handed to him by Von Miller. It's just not, he's just not going to be able to. Von's that good. Uh, what did you think of how Bradley Chubb did in week one? He was one of the, uh, the rookies that you guys spotlighted uh, as one of the top ten rookies. Good in pass rush, but uh, uh, coverage, there were some issues. Yeah, uh, I, there's going to be issues if you drop him into coverage. He's not, you know, I think he had, over the course of his college career, maybe dropped into coverage 50 or so times, and he dropped into coverage eight snaps this past week, which is, you know, on pace to surpass how many times he dropped all of his college career. So uh, that's not why you drafted him. You didn't draft him to be a lockdown coverage player. You drafted him to rush the passer, and he did that well. So that was encouraging, especially because, it came against, you know, like I said, Von Miller was going up against Jermaine Ifedi. He was going up against Wayne Brown. He was going up against a real tackle, and he also came in and beat the guard, their left guard, a few times, Ethan Pochett. So uh, what I saw from him as a pass rusher was basically as advertised. He was an NFL-ready player, and I think we're seeing that. Now, uh, Will Disley came out with, with the uh, Seattle Seahawks and had a you know really nice game, uh, you know, long uh, catch and run. Did you anticipate him having that type of uh, a game? I mean, I, I, I saw the rankings uh, of him uh, you know, making the all, you know, one of the highest-rated rookies and then going back looking at uh, the college grade on him. Uh, he looked like a pretty good overall uh, tight end, but not necessarily dominant in any one area. No, I uh, I don't even think he anticipated. I don't think his mom would have told you he, she anticipated it because he didn't have that many yards in a single game at any point in his college career. He just that was a massive outlier. Uh, but I think a lot of it speaks to the fact that the tight end position in the NFL is a lot about usage. It's just, some offenses will feature the tight end, some offenses will pass to them, and then those guys will be productive. Some offenses won't, and it doesn't matter if you have Rob Gronkowski, you won't get a lot of uh, you know receptions there. So. 
if you feature a tight end position like Seattle does, he's going to get his yardage. And it, some of it was some busted coverages, but, yeah, he uh, had a good game. We're chatting with Mike Renner from Pro Football Focus. Uh, we check in with him every single Wednesday, so make sure you tune in on Wednesdays, or you can always go to orangeandblue760.com to listen back to the interview. Uh, we came upon kind of an interesting stat on Case Keenum via your website yesterday as we're going through the premium stats, that Case Keenum, all three of his interceptions on Sunday came with no pressure and when he was not blitzed. When we went back and looked at it last year with Minnesota, he also had more interceptions. He had five interceptions during the regular season uh, with no pressure versus two when under pressure. What does that say about Case Keenum? Is it simply that he has too much time on his hands? What do you read into that? <laughs> uh, the picks this past weekend were, a lot of them were head-scratching. The one up the seam especially looked like either a miscommunication or some sort of route adjustment that didn't get adjusted. They were on different pages, the one right to Earl Thomas. Yeah. Uh, those were – it looked like sort of growing pains within an offense. It just looked like he wasn't completely on the same page with, like I said, all, having all the picks that he did on the same page with his receivers in the offense. It, it kind of looked like an adjustment period. So I, I don't expect from what I saw from him or just who he's been the course of his career for him to be a super turnover-worthy or a super turnover-prone quarterback the rest of the season it just seemed like a, a little bit of a fluke this past weekend the pressure versus no pressure thing I think almost speaks more to the fact that he is cautious with the ball under pressure when he does get pressure in his face he's not just throwing it up for grabs he's you know calculatedly taking risks and calculatedly putting ball in placements where he's not you know throwing picks and I think a lot of his picks were not under pressure is when he feels confident to throw the ball but it's a misread or a miscommunication that sort of stuff and that's why he has probably the more picks when not under pressure Matt Paradis was on your offensive team of the week. What do you think of how he did? I've been a huge Matt Paradis fan ever since, gosh, what was it, a few years back when he really came onto the scene. I think he, uh, it was the year after they won the Super Bowl when he really was a first-year starter, I want to say, because uh, I think he started down the stretch of the Super Bowl. And then the year after, was he had a fantastic year. I think what he can do in run blocking when he's on is, is about as good as he gets to the NFL. He's almost a, a Jason Kelsey light in terms of how good he is at center and how good he is on the move. So for him to be at the top of his game, along with uh, you know Ronald Leary there at left guard, that's a pretty, it's a pretty scary double team combo. And what they can do on the interior in terms of moving line of scrimmage. Yeah. Now I'm looking at the uh, defensive summary, and I sorted by pass rush. And Shelby Harris, he was uh, had the top grade at ninety point four. Bradley Chubb second at seventy seven point one. What do you see? Uh, Bradley Chubb's ceiling as this year? I mean, where, where, where do you anticipate him ending up once the season is over with? Uh, do you see him being a, uh, you know, eight, nine, ten sack guy, or you think it'll be in the three, four, five range? I think it'll definitely be more than three, four, five. Sometimes sacks are lucky, but he's the type of guy who, uh, you know, with the way he can bull rush the pocket and keep his body clean, that he should be able to pick up a handful of sacks just uh, because he's so good at like I said, keeping his body clean, not not being able to get off off of the lineman and finish the play. So uh, I, I I could see him ended up double digit sacks easily because he's got he's an every down type of player. I, I wouldn't be taking him off the field too much because of how good he is versus both run and pass. You don't need to sub him out on early downs. Uh, you don't need to keep him fresh because we saw at NC State he didn't you know come off the field much. He's an every down sort of player. So uh, I would I would not be surprised if we saw him get into the double digits this season. 
Just a couple more questions here for you. Mike Renner from Pro Football Focus joining us. Let's turn our attention to the Raiders because, of course, that's the game coming up this Sunday for the Broncos. And, uh, boy, rough performance for them. I mean, with the exception, really, of Jared Cook. Uh, rough performance for them on, on multiple sides of the ball. What what should Broncos fans or what should the Broncos be most concerned about when it is facing this team? <laughs> There's not, there's not too much to be concerned about, to be honest, because I do think uh, <laughs> it just sets up well. Like the, the strengths and weaknesses of the Broncos set up well. I, I guess the thing I'd be most concerned about is sort of internally the fact that Case Keenum was, like I said, had, had these miscommunications, had these you know mental errors throwing the ball down the field with those picks. Uh, just getting those cleaned up is the biggest thing because uh, the Raiders' defensive line, is they looked awful this past week. And they just on paper, they don't have a lot of talent there after trading away Khalil Mack. So, I don't anticipate much pressure being put on uh, Case Keenum. I don't anticipate them having much trouble running the football. So uh, at that point, just avoid making mistakes. And I don't think this, uh, I don't think this game should be particularly uh, that close. All right. So if I make it straight, so the only way, in your opinion, based on the numbers and on paper, the way this game <laughs> lays out, is if the Broncos stub their own toe versus the Raiders. Otherwise, matchups tend to favor the Broncos heavily, correct? Yeah, that's about, that's about what I'd say. The only thing that really – the Raiders do have a good offensive line. So they should be able to – they might be able to run the ball fairly well with Marshawn Lynch. That's about the only thing outside of the turnovers that would even give me some pause. Well, well said. Broncos' highest-rated defensive player, it was not Von Miller. Of course, it was Shelby Harris. We talked to him on – on Monday, what do you like about uh, uh, Harris, what he delivers in a relatively small sample size? Yeah, you love it when you can get those sub-package guys, you know, the guys who come in who aren't the starters and can produce at a high level because uh, you need you need those secondary guys. They play a big role in the defense, uh, especially in terms of on third downs. If you can get guys pushing the pocket, that's just huge for guys like Bradley Chubb and Von Miller to add it, padding to their sack totals because – Quarterbacks can't step up. They have to sneak out the back, and that's where you know Chubb and Miller are going to chase them down. So uh, I think what he, I've been a fan of what he brings to the table for a while now. I think he had a very good, you know, sort of underrated season a year ago. And, uh, yeah, that defensive line is starting to get back to, you know, Super Bowl levels at this point. Yeah, I'm looking again. Look, he's still here at the uh, Oakland defensive summary, and uh, they didn't really have a great defensive game, like you said. Uh, the highest-rated guy was 68.4, Leon Hall. Uh, now, do you think that because of Khalil Mack's departure, um, that it's not just that Khalil Mack's not there, but also that the confidence that the defensive unit has going onto the field, knowing that they don't have Khalil Mack there? that they're not necessarily playing as hard as well, or is it just that Khalil Mack is not there, the reason why uh, these numbers are as poor as they are? Yeah, I'm not sure if the defense – I think it's the NFL. You're going to get up for every single game. But I do think from a defensive coordinator standpoint, you have to have it in the back of your mind that, you know, I'm not – that pressure's not going to be getting home. I rush four. Uh, I leave my secondary susceptible to, you know, a lot of uh, the quarterback just holding the ball back there forever. So uh, I think as a defense coordinator, you just think, you know, I have to blitz more. There's things you have to alter your game plan wise to try and get pressure because uh, that's the name of the game in the NFL is getting after opposing quarterbacks. So 
uh, I think that is the biggest thing that does change when you don't have a guy like Khalil Mack. Always great stuff. We appreciate the time, Mike. We'll check in with you next Wednesday. Thank you. Thanks, Thanks, Mike. Mike. Appreciate it. For sure. Thanks for having me, guys. Thanks for joining me in the Audio Zone. I'm Andrew Mason. Talk to you next time. 